Good morning. I was invited by uh, somebody you guys know. I guess his name is Mr. Justin, Minister Justin, something like that. Anyway, I bumped into him in the hallway, and he asked me to come here today to answer a question for you guys. He wanted me to come and answer a question about who the real superhero is. But in order for me to do that, before I do that, I'm going to read you guys a scripture, and then we're going to pray. Can we do that? Can we do that? Okay. You guys got your Bibles with you? Okay, okay. <laughs> if you guys don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be up on the screen for you, okay? So can you guys stand up for me while we read it? Okay, so the scripture today comes out of Psalms chapter 94, verse 16. And if you guys have it that, don't, that do have your Bibles, just give me a salute when you have it. Y'all not going to salute with me? That's cool. That's cool. This is what it says. It says, who rises up for me against the wicked? Who stands up for me against evildoers? So what it's really asking is, who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? You guys can be seated. Heavenly Father, even now, just move me out of the way. Have your way, Lord God. Speak, Lord. Even now, Lord, just speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In order for me to tell you guys about who the real superhero is, I have to tell you guys a story. Can I tell you guys a story? Can I tell you guys a story? Because every superhero has a story. Whether it's me, whether it's Iron Man, whether it's Black Panther, every superhero has a story. So I'm going to start by telling you mine. Growing up, when I was you guys' age, I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the smartest. I certainly never thought I would grow up one day to be Captain America. Matter of fact, you guys want to see my old pictures? You guys want to see some of my old pictures? Can we put up some of my old pictures from when I was in the Army? That was me when I was in the Army. I wasn't the strongest, I wasn't the smartest, and I certainly never thought that one day I'd be Captain America because nobody thought that I was good enough. Nobody thought I was good enough to be in the army. Nobody thought I was good enough to help other people. But one day, my favorite superhero came and he showed me what it means to be a superhero. He showed me what it means to have a super strong faith. He showed me what it means to stand up for people and stand up against evil people who do evil things. And he showed me what it means to protect the innocent. You guys want to know how he did that for me? You guys want to know how he showed me how to do all of that? He showed me how to do all of that because he did it for me when I couldn't do it for myself. That's how he did that for me. God, thank you. He did that for me when I wasn't able to do it for myself. So now I have a better understanding of what it means to be a superhero because of my favorite superhero. Who do you guys think my favorite superhero is? 
Who do you guys think my favorite superhero is? Who do you guys think my favorite superhero is? That's right. My favorite superhero is Jesus. You want to know why he's my favorite superhero? Because everything I learned about being a superhero, I learned from him. Everything I learned about how to be a superhero, I learned from him. Okay? He trained me to be a superhero, and he did that by showing me examples in the Bible of how he saved other people. And he started by showing me what it means to have a super strong faith. How many of you guys know the story of David and Goliath? Who knows the story? Wow. So all of you, most of you guys know the story of David and Goliath. You know why that story is so important? That story is so important because it shows us what it means to have a super strong faith. It shows us what it means to let God fight our fights for us because we can't fight it for ourselves. It shows us what it means to depend on God's super strength instead of our strength. Because think about it. Was David a superhero? What was David? He was a little boy and he was a shepherd. Very good. He was a shepherd. He was the youngest in his dad's house, which meant that it was his job to take care of his dad's sheep because that's what they did for a living. That is how they brought money into their household while his older brothers went to go fight in King Saul's army. So one day, David's dad, Jesse, who was really, really old, asked David to do something. He said, take this food to your brothers and bring me back some sign as to how they're doing. Bring me news as to how they're doing. So David got up real early the next day. He got up real early. He left the sheep with somebody who would take care of his sheep. And he went down to this huge valley where King Saul's army was fighting a group of people called the Philistines. Can we show them a picture of this really big, huge valley? It's massive, guys. I actually got the chance to see it. Eh, wrong picture. <laughs> Nope, still the wrong picture. It, it, it's the picture that's got the trees and the mountains and it's sideways crap. <laughs> if you turn your head sideways, <laughs> you'll be able to see it. But in any event, <laughs> It was this real huge valley that David had to go down to because that's where his brothers were fighting in King Saul's army. So David gets to this big, huge valley, and he sees something weird. He sees something strange. He sees this big, ugly, smelly giant, and he's talking about King Saul's army. He's picking on King Saul's army. He says, why did you bother to come down here today? You can't defeat us. Come send someone to fight me and I will show you just how weak you really are. Anybody ever had a bully that was always picking on you because he thought he was better than you? Well, this guy was Israel's bully. This guy was King Saul's bully. The army of King Saul, this was their bully. And for 40 days, he had been picking on these guys because he thought he was better than them. That means for over a month, this guy was picking on King Saul's army. Anybody imagine this big, ugly giant picking on you for over a month? 
Wouldn't that be messed up? So David gets there, and he sees this big, ugly, smelly giant, and while everybody else is afraid and talking about what the king will do for the person that beats up this giant, David's not worried. David's not afraid. You know why? Because David's got a secret. David's got a secret. He knows how to beat up this big, ugly, smelly giant. So he starts going around, and he says, who's this big, ugly, smelly giant picking on us? Who does this big, ugly dude think he is? What, what did the king say he'll do for the person that beats him up? David's brother hears what's going on, and David's older brother, Eliab, comes, and he says, what are you even doing down here? Who did you leave, who did you leave those sheep with? I know why you came down here. You just came down here so you could see the fight. David's brother was so mad because he didn't know what David's secret was. He didn't know that David had found a way to beat up this big, ugly, smelly giant because nobody else had ever been able to. Guys, sometimes God will show you things that nobody else is able to see because he wants you to do things that nobody else is able to do. And a lot of times he'll keep it a secret until it's time for everybody else to see what it is. So King Saul hears that David is asking all of these questions, and he says, bring David to me. So David gets in front of King Saul, and he says, King Saul, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I'll beat up this big, ugly, smelly giant and get him to stop picking on Israel forever. King Saul looks at David, and he says, are you crazy? You're a kid, David. This guy is a grown man, he's a giant, and he's been fighting since he was a kid. What is wrong with you? King Saul didn't know what David's secret was either. So David looks at King Saul and he says, please, I've been keeping, keeping care of my dad's sheep since for most of my life. Anytime a lion or a bear came up to take one of these sheep, I took it and I killed it. And this big, ugly, smelly giant won't be any different because I've got a secret, King Saul. I've got a secret. The same way that I killed the lion and the bear is the same way I'll kill this big, ugly, smelly giant because my God's got super strength. So King Saul says, okay, David, you win. God go with you. So King Saul gives David some armor that he thinks will protect him while he's going to fight Goliath. Here's the problem. This armor was so heavy, David could barely put it on. David had never used armor before. He wasn't able to use this armor, so he says, I can't fight with this stuff. I've never used it before. And at the end of the day, I don't even need it. So he took this armor off because he knew that God wanted him to trust in his super strength, not in the armor. Sometimes God will put you in situations where you can't depend on anything or anybody but him. Not on your mommy, not on your daddy, not on your cell phones, not on your TVs. God will put you in situations where you have to depend on him and nobody else because he will use his super strength to fight just for you. So David goes, he takes his armor off. He goes to this, to this brook and he gets five smooth stones and he picks up a staff because this is what he was taught to fight with. And this is where Jesus showed me where he was in this whole story because typically a shepherd fights with a staff, and he fights with 
with stones because that's what he's been taught with. David was about to lay his life on the line just like he had done with his sheep because he knew that God was about to lay himself on the line for David. Can you guys pull up John chapter 10 for me? John chapter 10, verse 11. And this is what Jesus said, and this is how he showed me where he was in this whole story. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Just like David had been taught to lay down his life for his sheep, Jesus Christ was laying down his life for David. He was fighting for and protecting David. So now, David takes his staff, he takes his stones, he goes to this big valley and he steps up to Goliath. And guess what happens? Goliath starts trying to pick on David. David walks up to Goliath and Goliath says, do I look like a dog that you come at me with sticks? Do I look like a dog? Come to me, little man, so I can beat you up and give you to the birds and the beasts so that they can eat you up. But you know what David does? He tells Goliath his secret. He walks up to Goliath and he says, you've got a shield, you've got a sword, you've got a spear, but I've got a superhero. He's going to fight this battle for me because this fight was his to begin with. So it doesn't matter what you do, you big, ugly, smelly giant. My God is fighting this fight for me, and that's why you're going down. So they start running at each other. David pulls out a stone. He takes it in his sling, throws it at Goliath, and it lands right in Goliath's forehead. Goliath falls. And just like that, the fight was over with. You know why? Because David trusted in God to be his superhero. He knew that God loved him enough to fight this fight for him. He knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God would use the super strength of his love to fight for David, especially because David was standing up to somebody evil who was doing something evil. Long time ago, there were three Hebrew boys. I think you guys may know who they are. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There you go, Abednego. There it is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a long time ago, they were living in a kingdom called Babylon, where this mean, crazy king named Nebuchadnezzar built a huge golden statue. There it is, right there. He built a huge statue of himself made out of solid gold. It was 90 feet tall. That means it was taller than this ceiling. He built a huge statue of himself that was 90 feet tall. And every day around a certain time, he wanted everybody to bow down and worship this evil statue. And anybody that didn't do it would go into what's called a fiery furnace. You guys know what a fiery furnace is? Who knows what a fiery furnace is? A fiery furnace is like a huge oven where you will put stuff to be burned. So anybody who didn't bow down to worship this evil statue will be put into this big oven so they could be burned alive. Here was the problem for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would only bow down to worship one person. Who do you think they would only bow down to worship? That's right. They would only bow down to worship God because God was the most important thing in their life. 
God was more important to them than anything or anybody else in this world. And they knew that bowing down to worship this evil statue would break God's heart. Because they knew that worshiping something other than God meant they loved something more than they loved God. Nowadays, we live in a world where people worship their phones, they worship TV, they worship money, they worship everything and anything else but God. And whether they know it or not, that breaks God's heart. Guys, I want you guys to make me a superhero promise. Can you guys make me a promise? Can you guys make me a promise? You guys want to make me a promise? I want you to promise that you will never, never love anything more than you love God. Okay? If you guys make that promise with me, just give me a salute. Thank you. So, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to worship this evil king's statue, even though they knew they would get put in this big, huge oven to be burned alive. Now, I need some help showing this. Who wants to show this with me? Anybody want to help show this with me? Okay. So you guys, you guys are going to be Shadrach. Okay? You guys are going to be my Shadrach. You guys are going to be my Meshach. All of you guys are going to be my Abednego. Okay? So all of you guys are the three Hebrew boys. Okay? So now, they hear... King Nebuchadnezzar hears that they won't bow down to worship his statue. So he calls them in front of him one more time just to give them one more chance to see if they'll obey him, if they'll listen to him. Now, on the count of three, I'm going to be Nebuchadnezzar, and I need you guys to tell me no. But first, we're going to practice, okay? So on the count of three, I need you guys to tell me no. Can you do that for me? All right, here we go. One, two, three. One, two, three. No. One, two, three. No. Okay, here we go. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I hear you refuse to bow down to my statue. So I'm going to give you all one more chance to do what I've asked you to do. Now, if you'll bow down to this evil statue, everything will be okay. But if you don't, I will throw you in the fiery furnace. So will you bow down to worship my statue? No. Great job, guys. <laughs> Great job. You guys just stood up to an evil king. Okay, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said no just like you all did. They refused to bow down to this evil king's statue. My bad. <laughs> They refused to bow down to this evil king's statue, even though they knew they could get thrown in the fiery furnace because they loved God more than everything in this world. So not only did the king get so mad that he threw them in the fiery furnace. I shouldn't have did this. <laughs> not only did the king get so mad that he threw them in the fiery furnace, he waited until it was seven times hotter than usual. He waited until it was seven times hotter than what it usually is. So he let it get really, really hot. Then he tied up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he threw them in this fiery furnace. That's exactly what it looked like. He threw them in this fiery furnace, and it was so hot that the people that put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there, they died first. That's how hot it was. 
But here's, here's what's so weird about that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't afraid. They weren't scared because guess what? They had a secret too. Just like David did, they had a secret. So before the king put them in the fiery furnace, they said, King, we won't bow down to worship your statue. Our God is able to save us. And even if he doesn't, we won't worship you. We won't worship your statue. We won't worship your gods. They knew that God loved them more than enough. Even if he didn't save them, they loved God more than they loved anything in this world. And God loved them enough to stand up for them because they were standing up to something evil. They know this. King Nebuchadnezzar, while they're in the furnace, he sees something weird. He says, didn't, didn't we put three, three people in this furnace? And his man said, that's right, King Nebuchadnezzar, we sure did. He said, well, I see four. And the fourth one looks like the son of God. He, he looks like the son of God. King Nebuchadnezzar found out what their secret was. He saw that God was protecting them. He didn't believe it with his own eyes. So he called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, God, come, come out of there. Come on out of that furnace. And as soon as they came out of the furnace, he saw their clothes weren't burned. Their bodies weren't burned. They didn't even smell like the fire. The Bible says they didn't even smell like the fire. So right there and right then, King Nebuchadnezzar knew that God loved them more than enough to stand up for them because they stood up to an evil king. At that point, they knew, he knew, the world knew Jesus Christ was their superhero. Especially because anytime you stand up for God, Anytime you stand up against evil, God will stand up for you. You know why? Because God knows that you're innocent. And guess what? God always, always, always protects the innocent. You guys don't believe me? Why don't we ask Daniel? Who knows who Daniel was? You guys know who Daniel was? I know you guys are getting a little sleepy on me. I'm going to try and hurry up. So... Daniel was friends with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And while they were in Babylon, this king named King Darius gave Daniel a real important job. He wanted him to be a president so that he could take care of, Dan of King Darius's kingdom for him. Now, you guys got a president. What, what's, what's his name? Donald, Do Donald Trump. There it is. So he does what Donald Trump does. He just did a much better job of it. Am I lying? <laughs> In fact, he did such a good job that King Darius wanted to put him in charge of the entire kingdom. Here was the problem with that. Some of these other presidents didn't like that Daniel did such a good job. They saw that God was with Daniel in everything that he did because he loved God, he listened to God, he obeyed God, and God made him successful in everything that he did. So these evil presidents got real mad at Daniel. Anytime God is doing something with you at home 
or at school, there are always going to be people who don't like what God is doing with you. Because God is doing something with you that he's not doing with them. God has given something to you that he hasn't given to them, and that makes them upset. So now these three presidents are trying to get Daniel in trouble. Anybody want to help me get Daniel in trouble? You guys don't want to help me get Daniel in trouble? I know a couple of people do. There you go. We're going to help get Daniel in trouble. There you go. And I'm going to come to you guys next. All right. So let's see. What can we do to get Daniel in trouble? Oh, wait. Wait, we could say that he stole something. There, there you go. That'll work. We'll say Daniel stole something. We'll say that he stole something. Wait, wait a minute. That's not going to work. Daniel's never stolen. He doesn't steal. Matter of fact, he knows that's something that'll break God's heart. And Daniel always listens to God. So that's, that's not going to. Oh, I know what we could do. You guys think we could say he messed something up on his job? You guys think we could say he messed something up on his job? Could we do that? Wait, wait, wait a minute. We can't, we can't do that either. That, 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 what, what do you think we could do? He can pretend that he hurt the sheep. Well, Daniel doesn't work with sheep. <laughs> but we can't say he messed something up on his job, right? We could say he messed something up on his job, but wait a minute. Daniel's never late. He never misses anything on his job. He never messes anything up. Matter of fact, not only does everybody else know that, the king knows that. Because he knows Daniel's heart. He knows that Daniel has an excellent spirit in him, which means everything he does, he does well because he wants to do it right. So... That's not going to work either. Da Daniel's innocent. So there's really no way that we can get him in trouble unless it has something to do with listening to God. That, that'll work. If, he, if we say, if we, oh, Lord, <laughs> if we do something that makes Daniel choose God's law over the king's law, That'll really get Daniel in trouble. So they go to King Darius and they try to trick King Darius. This is what they say. They say, King Darius, you know what you should do? You should make a law that for 30 days, nobody can pray to anything or anybody but you. And anybody that does, they have to go to this lion's den. They have to go to the place where we keep the lions so that they can be eaten alive. King Darius doesn't know what's going on. So King Darius says, you know what? I like that. Let's do it. And they say, you know what else, King Darius? You should sign it. Because once you sign it, it can't be changed by anybody, not even by you. King Darius says, all right, let's do that. Here's what these three sneaky presidents knew that the king didn't. Daniel prayed to God three times a day three times every single day because he loved God. Matter of fact, talking to God and only God was one of God's laws. And because of the fact that he prayed and talked to God every single day, they knew that Daniel would only pray to nobody else but God. So they waited until they knew Daniel was praying. Even though Daniel knew 
that this law had already been made, even though he knew the king would put him in the lion's den for disobeying his law, he knew that obeying God's law was more important. He knew that listening to God was more important than anything else in this world. So he went upstairs to his room and he prayed just like he does every day. So these three sneaky presidents, they waited until Daniel was praying. They crept into his house. They go upstairs. They wait until they see Daniel praying and they say, aha, you're in trouble now, buddy. We're taking you to the king. So as soon as they took Daniel to the king, they say, King Darius, didn't you just make a law that says for 30 days, nobody could pray to anybody but you? He says, that's right. And it can't be changed either. Well, they say, well, King Darius, Daniel over here doesn't like your laws. He doesn't listen to you. He doesn't care about anything you said. That means he has to go to the lion's den because he was praying to his God like he does every day. King Darius gets really, really sad. You know why he gets so sad? Because Daniel is his friend. He cares about Daniel. You guys think he wants to throw Daniel in the lion's den? Oh. Matter of fact, the king tries to find ways to help Daniel before sunset because that's when he has to go into the lion's den. But these three sneaky presidents remind him, they say, ah, 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 King Darius, you signed this law. It can't be changed by anybody, not even by you. So you have to put him in the lion's den. So King Darius, he's really sad. He takes Daniel, gets ready to throw him in the lion's den, and he says, Daniel, Buddy, I hope the God that you pray to is going to be able to save you. So he puts Daniel in the lion's den. Can we get a picture of the lion's den? He puts Daniel in this big hole where the lions are, puts a huge stone over it, and he seals it so that nobody can help Daniel out of this situation. But all this time, Daniel's not worried. Daniel's not scared. He's not afraid. You know why? Because Daniel's got a secret, too. Daniel knows that because he loves God with all his heart, because he listens to God, because he obeys God, and he doesn't, hasn't done anything wrong, God loves him enough to protect him because he knows that Daniel is innocent. But that's something the king wouldn't find out until the next morning. So all night long, King Darius is worried about Daniel. He doesn't eat anything. He doesn't drink anything. He doesn't have any entertainment. He doesn't even go to sleep because he knows that Daniel is innocent. He knows Daniel has only listened to God before the king because that is what he was supposed to do. And because you were doing what you were supposed to do, you are innocent. So King Darius, as soon as morning comes, he jumps out of his bed, runs down to the lion's den, and he says, Daniel, Daniel, has the God you serve been able to protect you? Daniel says, oh, hi, King Darius. These lions haven't hurt me. God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions because he knew that I was innocent. He knows that I haven't done anything wrong to him. I haven't done anything wrong to you. God protected me because he loves me and he knew that I was innocent. King Darius gets really happy. He said, hurry up and get my friend. 
Get, get my friend out of there. You, move that stone back. Hey, you, pull my friend out of there right now. He pulls Daniel out. Daniel doesn't have any scratches. Daniel doesn't have any bruises. Daniel has nothing wrong with him because just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God was with him in the middle of his trouble. Because of the fact that God loves you, when God stands up for you, especially because he knows that you're innocent, he will get in the midst of your trouble with you. He will get in the midst of your trouble with you. Now, these three evil presidents, they weren't so innocent. <laughs> Matter of fact, because King Darius found out that they tricked him, not only did he put them in the lion's den, he put their families in the lion's den. He was so mad at them that he took them, he took their families, put them in the lion's den, and the lions gobbled them up before they hit the floor. Before they even got to the bottom of the lion's den, the lions ate them. They didn't have the same secret that Daniel did. But guess what? We do. We've got the same secret that Daniel does. You know why? Because God has made us innocent. Jesus Christ has made us innocent. Now, we used to be guilty. We used to be guilty. But Jesus Christ loved us enough to take the punishment that was meant for us, just like these three sneaky presidents took the punishment that was meant for Daniel. It took somebody that was more innocent than we could ever be to take the punishment that was meant for us so that we could be innocent. And just like he shut the mouths of the lions, Jesus Christ shut the mouth of a lion that we know is the devil. Because he made us innocent so he could save us once and for all. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Okay. So before Jesus was arrested, no, while Jesus was arrested, before he was crucified, the people were celebrating a holiday called the Passover. The Passover was to remember that God took the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay took the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, the Romans who were in charge, they had a ceremony. They had a ceremony where they released a prisoner back into the crowd. So they had a choice. They could choose to release Jesus, who hadn't done anything wrong, or they could release a guy named Barabbas who just killed somebody. Would you guys want somebody released unto you that just killed somebody? Would you guys want a murderer uh, released unto you after he just killed somebody? I wouldn't either. But the religious leaders, they didn't like Jesus too much. They didn't like that he was teaching that he was God's son. So they got into the crowd and they said, you know what we should do? Release Barabbas. When he asked, release Barabbas so that we can crucify Jesus. Yeah, we're going to crucify Jesus, and we want him to release Barabbas unto us. So Pontius Pilate, who's the governor, he gives the people this choice, and he knows that Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. He knows Jesus is innocent. So he says, people, I'm going to give you a choice. Can we get a picture of Jesus and Barabbas? I want to show you a little bit of what Barabbas looks like. So Jesus is on the left. Barabbas is on the right. So Pontius Pilate says, I'm going to give you guys a choice. Do you guys want Jesus released unto you 
or do you guys want Barabbas? Now, <laughs> well, you guys are a lot better than that crowd was back then. <laughs> Because the crowd says, because these leaders got into these people's ear, they said, give us Barabbas. We, we want Barabbas. We want the ugly guy. We want Barabbas. And Pontius Pilate says, what should I do with Jesus? Crucify him. Put him to death. Crucify him. But he hasn't done anything wrong. What did he do? They just kept saying, crucify him. And it got so loud that there was going to be a riot if he didn't crucify him. So you know what Pilate does? He goes to this small pool of water. And he washes his hands. You know why he washes his hands? Because he's showing these people, I didn't want this. You did. I'm not putting this guy to death. You are. I'm not condemning this innocent man. You are. Now, I told you guys earlier that Jesus was innocent, right? Didn't I tell you guys that? I also told you guys that God always protects the innocent, right? Didn't I tell you guys that? I told you guys that, right? So then why would he send Jesus to the cross when Jesus was innocent? This is what God showed me. When Barabbas was released, Jesus took his place on the cross. So even though Barabbas had done something wrong, when Jesus took his place on the cross, it meant that Barabbas was innocent. It meant that even though he had done something really horrible, God took his place. And because Jesus Christ took his place, he was innocent. Guys, me and you were just like Barabbas. Even though we had done something really, really bad, we've done things that were really, really wrong. Because Jesus Christ was more innocent than we could ever be, and because of the fact that he took the punishment that was meant for us, God now sees us as innocent. We are innocent because Jesus Christ took the punishment that was intended for us because he knew that we couldn't take it of ourselves. So they let, he let them take him. He let them spit on him. He let them beat him. He let them take him to somewhere where he didn't want to go with a huge cross on his back. He let him stick nails in his hands and do his feet. He hung until he died. After he died, they put him in this big tomb. And just like they did with the lion's den, they put a huge stone over it. Three days later, three days later, Here's the, here's, the, here's the good part. Three days later, real early in the morning, just like King Darius got up to go see about Daniel, this king got up from the grave. This king got up, the stone was moved, and he was released because he had just took the punishment that was meant for us. He loved us enough to die on a cross, the most horrible death possible, because he loves you. He loves me. He loves us. So he took the punishment that was intended for us because he loved us. So let me guys ask you, who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? He'll stand up for you against evildoers. Who's the real superhero? He'll stand up for you against the wicked. Who's the real superhero? 
He'll stand up for you when you stand up for him. Who's the real superhero? He's made each and every one of us innocent. Who's the real superhero? He'll fight for you with the super strength of his love. Who's the real superhero? Okay, check this out. This is the real important part, and I promise I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave. Okay. If you guys don't know that for yourself, if you guys don't know that Jesus Christ is more than a superhero, he's a savior. He's the greatest superhero that there ever is. So if you guys don't know that, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your superhero, if you haven't accepted him as your savior, we want to give you guys the chance to do that. You know why? Because God loves you. He'll protect you. He'll see about you. He'll go through your trouble with you because he is the real superhero. He is the real superhero. He is the real superhero. I'm going to run and tell everybody if you don't tell them with me. He's the real superhero. He's the real superhero. Who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? We're going to tell the whole world who's the real superhero? Not me, not Iron Man. Who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? Who's the real superhero? Who's this called? Hello? This is Captain America. The Hulk did what? He threw Iron Man through a building. What for? He was mad. He's the Hulk. He's always mad. That's why he's the Hulk. You, you need him to come down there right now. I'm in the middle of something. Yeah, I got something more important. I'm telling people who the real superhero is. Black Panther, you can't handle this on your own. You owe me big for this. I'll be right there. Guys, I got to go. Apparently, Black Panther just called me the Hulk through Iron Man through a building because he was mad. And now the building's coming down on top of people. And apparently, they can't handle this without me. But before I go, because my, my, my memory is fading, Captain America's kind of old. Who's the real superhero? 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 This isn't just for the kids, this is for the adults. Who's the real superhero? This is for everybody in the room. Who's the real superhero? He saved you, he saved me, he literally saved the world. Who's the real superhero? 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 Guys, I gotta go. I better go help these guys before they kill the entire world. <laughs>